welcome to the Frugal Debt-Free Life Podcast. I'm your host, Lydia Sin, and eight years ago, my husband and I paid off all of our consumer debt, and it felt like climbing a mountain, and some days it feels like we're still climbing that mountain. And so on this podcast, we have grace-filled money discussions because money, like life, is messy and rarely fits inside of a cash envelope. So if you're ready for a grace-filled money discussion, you have come to the right place. So I put out a call for comments on my Instagram. I asked, what is the worst piece of financial advice you have ever received? And I got so many comments and I'm going to be sharing them today with a mix of some of the worst financial advice that I too have received. So right out the gate, we have Keely Schneider. She is on Instagram as Systems for Your Life. And she's a new follow for me. I just found her and I really enjoy her content. So I will be sure to link to her Instagram in the show notes. But she says, buy a house. It's cheaper than renting. Lies with three exclamation points. And anytime I talk about renting versus buying, people get really angry. So I feel like we're coming in hot out the gate. But I want to say this, that renting is not always throwing your money away. And I hate that whole idea of renting is throwing your money away. Renting is for people who make bad financial decisions. Buying a home is a good investment. There is so much there that needs to be unpacked. First of all, having a safe place to live is never throwing your money away. It doesn't matter if at the end of the day you don't have equity It doesn't matter that you're paying a landlord. You need a place to live. That is a basic human need. And so we don't look, we don't look at food as, you know, you're throwing money away. You eat food and then quite literally flush it down the toilet. You need it to survive. You need a place to live to survive. And so this whole idea that renting is for people who are bad with money feels a little elitist. And I used that word on Facebook one time and I had a lady send me a very angry DM. But think about it. What are you actually saying when you say renting is just throwing money away? Sorry, there's a fly in this room and it is so loud. Hold on. There's not a fly that's a yellow jacket and it's trapped under a piece of furniture and we're gonna let it go. We're gonna let it, we're gonna make friends with it. I love you yellow jacket, do not sting me. But here's the thing, I own my own home and I would never tell you not to buy a home if you wanna buy a home. And I would also never tell you not to rent if that's what you also want to do. I I have a couple of thoughts on this that may feel controversial. My first one is people who say, your home is your best investment are generally people who've never invested in anything else. And yes, a home can be a good investment. But people tend to forget the cost of home ownership. They just look at what they paid for it and then subtract that from what they sell it for. But they're not taking into account the fact that they have paid interest for 15 to 30 years. And sometimes that can end up actually doubling the cost of what you paid for your home. The fact that you pay taxes and insurance, you don't recoup that cost. 
you are also having to put at least 1% of your home's total value in repairs every year. So you need to subtract that from your profits and then see how much money you actually make. Now granted, you're not getting any profits off of rent, your landlord is. But let's not look at it like it's really an investment. Having a home provides you with some security that maybe renting doesn't. Your, unless you have an adjustable rate mortgage, don't get an adjustable rate mortgage. <laughs> Those are making a comeback and it terrifies me. It's like, oh, it smells like 2008 in here. No, thank you. Um, but unless you have an adjustable rate mortgage, your mortgage isn't likely to go up unless your taxes and insurance do, which has been our case lately. It's steadily increasing. Um, and with rent, but with rent, unless your rent increases every year, the rent you're paying is the maximum you're going to pay. The mortgage on your home is the minimum you're going to pay because you're still going to have taxes, insurance, and those costs of home ownership. Neither one are bad. It's really a neutral argument, but it's something that you need to go into with you know doing the actual math being educated and knowing what it is you're dealing with if you want to buy a home please buy a home if you can if you can in this market whoo you know but be smart about it three to eight percent down we don't have to do 20 percent anymore you will pay pmi but you can refinance although with interest rates Biocondias. Their job art says, my mom told me to max out the amount of mortgage I could buy because in the time our income would go up and it would be cheaper. Our insurance and taxes went up actually and we were painfully house poor, never again. You know, make sure that you have a three to six month emergency fund and that you're putting aside 1% in savings every year just for repairs. So the next one is Seven Wandering Woods. She said, my parents encouraged me to get credit cards while I was still in high school, and I did it because I didn't know any better. And I had a follow-up question to this. I said, oh no, did you ruin your credit? And she said, I always made the minimum payments, but can never get ahead. My husband and I finally stopped credit cards about a year into our marriage. So I think that teaching teenagers to build good credit is a great thing. You know, I wasn't taught about credit cards growing up. I know my parents had them. I know they paid off the balance every month, but it wasn't something that was necessarily discussed with me. It was something that you used in case of an emergency and use credit very wisely, but again, wasn't directly taught. And so when I got a credit card, I thought, oh, it's free money. It's free money. You just swipe it and like it doesn't leave your bank account. So it's just this abstract concept. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I learned about responsible credit and what a credit score is and how a credit score is built and how we want revolving credit and how you do need to pay your minimums every month and not your minimums, I'm sorry. <laughs> you need to pay off the entire thing every month. And so learning at a young age how to handle credit responsibly, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, but you need to understand that if you are irresponsible, the years of work and toil that it's going to take to clean up a potential mess. Okay, the next thing. When we were house hunting, my husband and I were pre-approved for a much bigger house loan than we could afford. We would have been living on bread and water if we had actually borrowed as much as the bank had been willing to lend. So this is something that my husband and I learned also 
If you don't know our story, we actually ended up short selling a house. And I say that now, shame-free. It's not a wonderful thing that happened to us, but it is a part of our story. And, you know, I feel like we show that, yeah, you can make mistakes with money and you can turn your life around and make good financial choices. And so we went from, you know, bottom of the barrel, making all the mistakes that a person can make to living debt free, maxing out 401ks, putting money into a Roth IRA, funding our kids college, you know, cash flowing all of these things. But it, it was a long, hard journey to get there. And so way when we were wee little babies, like barely in our 20s, we bought a house. And at the time, Bank of America was lying on people's applications to make it look like they had a better financial outlook than they did and then just writing them mortgages. We didn't know they were lying. It was a mess. Um, and so that's why the bank ended up when we needed to sell just basically taking what a buyer would give them and forgiving the rest. I'm not, anyway, I'm not gonna get into that today because I will cry. But when we bought this house that we live in now in 2014, we were approved for probably three times what we paid for our house. And we just decided, nope, we're gonna buy the cheapest house in the neighborhood that we want to be in. We got a great deal on our house. We are on two acres. We have a little like, 1500 square foot ranch that we keep remodeling and adding to and fixing things. Um, but it is a wonderful family home and buying way less than we could afford has been a huge blessing to us. We have a very small mortgage and as housing prices increased in 2020 and 2021 and all of that, and there was that boom, it really was the temptation to sell. But then we knew, oh, we got such a deal on this house. We would not be able to strike gold twice. I know that right now housing prices are insane and it's hard to know what to do. But if you are in a position to buy less than what you're approved for, I highly recommend it. Worst, okay, so Michelle McCollum says, worst money advice I ever received was not getting any. My parents taught me to work hard and pay my own way, but never taught me how to budget or save or invest. Not a mistake I'm making with my kids. And then someone else echoed her statement and said, totally, this was my husband, and he entered our marriage in major debt as a result. Now, I do wanna say, we can work very hard to teach our kids about money, um, but children often, you know, even into teenage years and young adults, there's that fractional concept of time. And so time feels very long. For me, you know, I'm in my 30s, so time feels shorter because, you know, one year is only like one thirtieth of my life. Whereas when you're 18, you know, one year is one eighteenth of your life. Like it feels so much longer. And so you don't want to wait for things. You don't want to, you know, cash flow. You don't want to budget. You want, you want it here and now because everything feels like such a long wait. Also your frontal lobe hasn't finished developing. And so I feel like you can do everything right in teaching your kids about money and them still grow up to not be great with money. And that that's not all on you. My parents, while they didn't teach me about credit, they did sit down with me and talk about, you know, you need to balance your checking account every day and you, you don't need to spend all the money that you make. There, there wasn't like a formal education on budgeting, but they tried and I didn't listen. So yeah, but I also married someone whose parents, 
didn't weren't financially educated and weren't financially savvy and you know watching him learn as well we all come from different backgrounds and as adults we're all just doing our best another person Christina Abner said parents told me to get a credit card when I was a freshman in college and it took years to pay off what I put on that card and that is a tale as old as time again you're 18 years old You've been handed magic plastic that opens the doors to everything and it's an abstract concept. It's the same thing with student loans. You know, I don't know in what other scenario a teenager can walk into a bank with no down payment, no collateral, and no consistent income and say, hey, can you give me $40,000? It just doesn't happen, but it does with student loans and then we wonder why we have a student loan crisis. That's a different rant for a different day. Latora Sarah, I think I'm butchering your username and I'm sorry, says a church leader I respected at the time encouraged me to turn down a full ride to college to go to a religious school. I hated it and ended up transferring to the original school anyway, but had to take out loans. There is nothing wrong with going to a private college or a religious university, but sometimes those come at um, a higher price tag and the quality of education isn't necessarily better and so it's really important to look at schools that offer the programs you want at a tuition that you can afford and I was talking to my husband about this because I'm going back to school to get my third bachelor's degree and then maybe on to my master's I don't know at the same school that I went to that my husband and I went to and you know, we got a good education at a reasonable price. And now my husband hires people. And I said, do you look at what school they go to, what school they went to? And he said, no, I just look to see if they have a degree. Half the time, I don't even really pay attention to the school. I think that we get caught up in the name brand of a school and the status that it gives us. And we don't focus on potentially being saddled with 10, 15, 20 years of debt to pay for that education. So that's something when talking to our children to consider, uh, or if you're going back to school to consider, and I did a whole episode on my podcast about paying for college, and I will leave it in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to that. Um, but don't pay more than you have to for a degree. A few people said something along the same vein of it doesn't matter what you study, a degree will guarantee a well-paying job. And I feel like that was the lie that was sold to millennials that we were told, you know, just go to college, just go to college. College is the keys to the kingdom. It's going to unlock all these amazing opportunities for you. And it didn't. And many of us found ourselves working in things that we didn't study for. Um, or going back to school to do something else or finding out that we didn't need a degree at all that we could go into a completely different field being self-taught and self-trained or learned on the job there are so many more opportunities now than there were you know back in the early 2000s when we were all starting out and all going to college but yeah I, I do feel like that's a generational gap of you just you go to college and then you buy a house and you work hard for 25, 30 years and then you get a pension and you retire. And that's not the reality that we live in anymore. Love these cuties. I like that username. It says, you wouldn't live forever. Get all the toys. The payments are cheap. Thank God we didn't take that advice. The same group of people had multiple bankruptcies. 
So if you know anyone who lived in a live it up, you know, you only live once, YOLO. Life is short. Life is long. Life is too long to live with debt. This story broke my heart and this is a hard lesson to learn on setting boundaries and not allowing people to repeat patterns in our own lives and like taking responsibility for those patterns. But Faith Fletcher 78 said, my father-in-law would get our kids started in travel ball and private lessons with the promise to pay or would tell my husband to go buy it and I'll help you pay for it. He would help until my husband's stepmother found out and then we would be stuck paying. We're making a $1,300 a month car payment now because she took the money he left for our kid's car and spent it. It's been a 22 year burden that's just about to sink us. Sometimes parents, even, you know, as we're adult, adult parents feel like they need to show their love in the quantity of stuff they buy. And that's not the case. That's not how we show our love to people. And so you know, we have to set boundaries around our money. We have to set boundaries around our heart. We have to set boundaries around the advice that we're willing to accept. That's a hard, hard lesson to learn. Some of the financial advice that I have gotten from people is don't cash flow a car. You know, just get a loan, get a low monthly payment. You can manage that and pay it off because the money that you have in the bank, you might need for something else. And I get that in theory, but I also understand that a car payment comes with interest. I'm not likely, I know myself, and I'm not likely to put extra money towards that car to get it paid off, whereas I can save up some money, go buy a car, and then not have to worry about it anymore. There's something very freeing about not having regular car payments, and I know that that's not something that everyone can do but it's been a lifeline for us, particularly with inflation and with everything rapidly changing to not have to worry about that car payment. The money is already spent, it's, it's been done, and we saved it up again. And you know, that's just how we prefer to do things. I would never advise someone, if they have the cash in hand, to take out a loan instead. Another piece of advice, and I don't think this is necessarily bad financial advice, but kind of looping back to the landlord thing, I've had people say, you know, why don't you invest in real estate? Because I don't want to be a, like a landlord of a house. Now, my family and I own a farm together, my extended family. I do own a piece of farmland. I rent it to a cousin. So basically, I have the land um, just kind of saved, and then my cousin said, can I rent it from you? And I said, sure, I'm not gonna sell it to you. And it's a very, like the, the rent is so minuscule, but basically it's cheaper for him to do that than it is for him to pay the property taxes on it. Um, <laughs> but I don't want to do, and if he ever decided, you know, I don't wanna rent this from you anymore, I would be like, cool, I still have 40 acres that I can build a house on one day. You know, it's not, it's not wasteful for me, but, I don't personally want to deal with rent, having to kick someone out, having to be 
having to be on the hook for things that need to be repaired, having someone destroy my house. That's just not, that's just not how I want to make a quote passive income. I really don't think there's anything passive about being a landlord and having to deal with tenants. I remember when my husband and I were renting before we moved back to Alabama and my landlord saying to me, thank you for always paying your rent on time. That's a huge deal. Um, other pieces of financial advice don't, you know, people have told me don't invest in your kid's education because you don't know if they're going to go to school or not. It doesn't matter if they go to college. I don't care. If they want to pursue something, it will need to have some sort of training, right? If you want to be a plumber or a hairstylist or you know do graphic design but you just want to go to a two-year program like everything requires some sort of training in some capacity and you can use a 529 to pay for that or maybe my oldest doesn't want to go to college but my youngest does and i can transfer that money because it's our money that we put into it to that child so really it's important that you make decisions based on the reality that you live in and what your goals are and not what anyone else is trying to tell you to do. Okay, I would love to know what you think about this. Do you think these are bad pieces of advice? Have you ever gotten bad financial advice? You can find me at Instagram or YouTube at Lydia Sin. You can find me at frugaldebtfreelife.com backslash podcast where you'll find this and every episode. I would love for you to subscribe if you haven't already. Also, thank you to everyone who has left a review. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, you can swipe over the artwork and leave a review, and that is how people find us. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.